This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode you're about to listen to is live and unedited. If you'd like to join us on the live stream, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Recovery Revolution 100 or search Recovery Revolution Live on YouTube. All right, we're live. We got Jason on the phone. He is still stuck at work doing his commute. Elsie and Ashley could not join us tonight. And who knows about JR? That guy is that guy is somewhere else, man. I don't know. He's on island time or something. <laughs> What's going on, Jason? How are you, man? What's up? I'm great. Hi everyone. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, so you can hear you can. Yeah, you can you can hear Jason, but you can't see Jason. So he's here, you just can't see him. Yeah. Well, (laughs) welcome, Josh. Excited to have you back. Or I say back. I had I had Josh on my show a couple weeks ago, and then we were talking about his new upcoming book that actually just came out on Tuesday. And I was like, oh man, we got an opening on Thursday right after the book drops so let's have you on the live show and talk about the book so welcome to the show josh yeah yeah it worked out man it really great to be with you guys appreciate it absolutely man awesome to have you here now i'll have to like go back later and see what your face looks like (laughs) (laughs) well so i i actually i've read josh's first book i haven't gotten a chance to read the one that came out two days ago but the first one was awesome. It, it kind of gave me similar vibes to JR's book because, like, the end part of his book is very similar to Josh's in that it just tells the stories of people with lived experience from substance use. So it was a really awesome book. It was an easy read and 10 out of 10, man. Mm, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So, what was that book called, Josh? Yeah. So, that's The Face of Addiction. Yep. Oh, there and, it is. And you can't you can't see it, Jason, but I have both of the book covers up on the screen right now so people can see what they both look like. And it I love the artwork as well on both of those, man. Yeah, the the same the same uh, publisher uh, took up both these books and their uh, their their graphic designer is fabulous. He does excellent work. Awesome. Yeah, so and 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 the cover of the new one since Jason can't see it, mm-hmm. the new book is entitled Drugs and Jesus and in the center of the book, there is a syringe and a spoon that are making, that are forming a cross right there in the center. And then you have some crushed up pills and some powder and stuff kind of surrounding that. It's, dude, it's such a good, such a good design. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's bold wow. for sure. Very, yeah, very that's, bold. That's, that's powerful for sure. Yeah. Man, I I remember like early in my recovery, if I seen something like that, I'd be like, Trigger. <laughs> yeah. Well, when the publisher sent me the proof, the original proof, because I had told him kind of like he, he knew the concept of the book. It's it's about faith and harm harm reduction, kind of uh, joining those two worlds. And I, I kind of told him what I'd like to see as far as a concept on the cover. And they sent me that first proof, and I, I was immediately like, Whoa, I love it. But then I was like, okay, I got to show it to some people first. <laughs> so I went, yeah. you know, I showed it to a lot of my friends in recovery, you know, kind of with that question among others, like, is this too much? Is this too visceral? You know, how's this going to impact people? Cause I wanted it to, I wanted it to land and I wanted it to land hard. Uh, Cause that's, that's kind of how the content of the book is as well. But also I didn't want to turn anybody off or do anything that was going to be, you know, uh, alienating, if that makes sense. Absolutely, dude. I mean, it's, 
it's good to, you know, take other people's feelings into consideration these mm-hmm. days, you know, since we didn't do that before. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, for sure. Man, so how did, so you're a writer, clearly, and you must like it, because otherwise, how could you do two books? But uh, let's jump back for a minute and, and uh, hear, hear about you, man, like, hear a little bit about your story and your past, your history. Yeah, sure thing. So I'm not a person in recovery. That may be the first thing to uh, kind of disclose for this uh, broadcast. Um, I count myself as an ally you know, to people in or seeking recovery. I kind of got into this world uh, back in 2018. I received an opportunity to uh, work as a community organizer on a statewide ballot amendment that was kind of pursuing criminal justice reform, specifically as it relates to um, people who use drugs, right? And uh, seeking to divert public funding, you know, more of it away from incarceration as, a, as an answer to drug use and addiction towards treatment options uh, for, for folks who need who need help. And that was back in 2018. And that work kind of gave me some of the opportunity, the time to get close to people in my neck of the woods, which I live in Southern Ohio, just outside of a town called Portsmouth, which is pretty widely known. We've received national coverage from, from news outlets as one of, if not the epicenter of the, uh, the opioid crisis early on when uh, Purdue Pharma, some of the other big manufacturers and distributors targeted Appalachian areas like ours, uh, promoting OxyContin, you know, some of the new pain pill, uh, pain pills. Yeah. And uh, so it gave me a chance to kind of get to get closer to folks who had kind of been suffering the full weight uh, of those early days of the opioid crisis and hear their stories and, and learn their struggle. And um, what came out of that season was my first book. The Face of Addiction, because um, I'm a writer. I do a lot of public work and advocacy, and uh, I really believe in the power of storytelling to change minds and shift cultural narratives. So, you know, I saw a lot of the stigma that surrounds people who use drugs, those who are in recovery. You know, they got barriers to housing, barriers to employment, you know, all kinds of stuff, especially if you've got like a felony on your record, any kind of um, encounter you've had with the criminal justice system. You know, so it stands in a lot of people's way. So I kind of wanted to explore that and tell the stories of some people, 12 people in the book uh, who are from my area, who had experienced, you know, kind of a wide range uh, of impact when it came to the opioid crisis. And uh, with the with the whole goal was to just humanize them. You know, these are folks who are often dismissed, excluded, yeah. you know, from the conversation you know, by other people in society. And for me, um, you know, people immediately started to ask me why I cared, you know, so much about this issue to 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 organize, to to be an activist, to advocate, to even write a book. And uh, the story that I landed on was this, you know, about I don't know, it's probably been six or seven years ago at this point. Um, I went through a very difficult stage of my own life, wasn't drug related, but it was kind of my own personal rock bottom, you know, equivalent experience something that was very devastating for me, something I just couldn't figure out. I was in a very dark place. You know, I I sought counseling. I read books. You know, I was talking to a few trusted friends, just couldn't pull myself out of this place. And there were two guys who came into my life at that time who were both in active recovery uh, from drug addiction. And they were able to speak to me and help me and give me the tools that I needed in a way that nobody else could. And both these guys had been at multiple points in their life where many people in society would have written them off entirely, you know, and said things like Narcan him once and 
let them die or lock them up and throw away the key. But fortunately, they found their way back and they brought kind of an insight with them from their struggle, you know, their own dark experience that was able to help a you know, poor schmuck normie like me. So, you know, that kind of formed a conviction in me that there's not a person out there right now with a needle in their arm who doesn't have that same value and hold that same potential, you know, to change the world, if not on a wide scale for someone like me in their life. So that kind of informs Absolutely. informs my work. Yeah. Dude, I, I love that, man, because you know what? That's so practical. Mm. Uh, and I think it's something that I really need to, like, take a moment, like, to encourage the the people listening or watching. Like, think about that. You know, these principles, these recovery principles, I don't care what program you're a part of or what pathway you take. They are universal spiritual truths. Mm. And it will... If, if you start to live your life based on those certain principles and around that stuff, develop your spirituality, focus on your holistic wellness, right? Like mm -hmm. your life is going to change, like completely change. Right. Mm -hmm. And to hear you say that you were able to find that, that freedom from, you know, I don't know what you went through or if you're wanting to disclose that information, man, it's it's beautiful and we don't really even need to know because we all know you know or we want to know right like maybe somebody watching this is like you know i don't think there's hope for me yeah bullshit because if <laughs> i can do it and i'm sure if josh could do it and for sure if brett could do it like he can do it too and that's that's awesome i'm glad that you met those guys man. yeah yeah i've got a friend who likes to say that we're all in recovery from something and uh, that's proven true in my life. You know, I, I, I kind of refer to myself as a recovering codependent, among other things. So, yeah, I, I've learned probably more from my friends in recovery than I have from anybody else. Uh, it's true. So, you know, I, I think as a society, we're kind of foolish to just dismiss, you know, the lives and the testimonies of, of guys like yourself. You have a lot to offer the world and often are, are put too far back, you know, to the back of the line you know, just because you've gone through the things you've gone through. And you know what, dude, I mean, even though we, you know, once I've done the work and once I've gotten to heal and once my life starts turning around, that's great and wonderful and all, all that stuff. But there's something else going on when you realize that all that crap happened for something good, that God can use it for good. Mm -hmm. That's something different, right? Like that's, you can find that can flip everything upside down on its head. Now I can be grateful for the things that made me want to die before. You know what I mean? It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So you found a purpose in this thing, huh? That's, that's amazing. And we need more advocates, allies like yourself for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like overall where you guys live, but like I said, where I live, uh, this is a big deal. You know, this is public health crisis. Number one, arguably, I think across the country, we could say that, you know, I mean, I know the coronavirus, yeah. you know, put up, put up a real challenge, you know, so it's debatable, but uh, you know, the, uh, the overdose crisis now, especially, you know, people were just dying unprecedented numbers. So um, it's, it's if big. Ashley deal. was here, she'd give you the statistics and it's, mm -hmm. it's no contest, man. Yeah. Like COVID has nothing on the opioid crisis. Uh, <laughs> right. But I don't remember the numbers. She's the stat lady. <laughs> oh, it's big. You know, it's it's like it's it's the number one killer of uh, of Americans under the age of 50, you know, more than anything else. It's 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 insane. 
And it's and uh, there, there's too many people still kind of with their heads in the sand, you know, just kind of waiting for this to go away. You know, especially a lot of people kind of in, in the faith community, which is what I tar- who I targeted with my second book. You know, it's kind of a call to action for churches, faith leaders, whatever, individuals to, uh, to, to really get involved, educate themselves and find out ways they can be part of the solution rather than, you know, just bystanding, you know, while this is going on. Yes, absolutely, dude. I got to check your book out, man. Well, both of them, but this new one is, you know, the one that's more faith faith oriented, right? Or, or right. the first book too. There, there, there's a little bit of in that of that in there, but the first book is mainly just the stories of the, the individuals that I interviewed. And it's kind of bookended with a little bit of like my personal experience, how I came into the work, what I just shared with you. And then at the end, you know, some next steps for people that want to educate themselves and get involved with a preface from a, um, a registered nurse, a public health worker that I, I worked with early on here in Portsmouth, Ohio. She's Lisa Roberts. She testified before Congress. She was uh, instrumental in shutting down the pill mills here a decade plus wow. ago. And so she kind of gave like an overview of the history of the opioid crisis here in central Appalachia. But that's that's the thrust of the first book. Yeah. The second book is far more specific and targeted towards people of faith and specifically evangelical Christians and churches, because that's a lot of what my background is. Mm. That's too cool, man. Too cool. I got to I got to check them out for sure. And I'm sure Brett's got the link up on the screen or something right now. Because <laughs> I can't see it. But I have the link to his website. Yeah, man, I book- know you do, man. You got it. You're yeah. always ready. Yeah. Both books are on Amazon and anywhere else. You know, you can get books. You can you can get it. It just dropped on Tuesday. So it's been a busy, busy week, launch week. I've been doing stuff like this every day, just trying to get the word out there. Amazing, bro. Absolutely. Would you mind kind of maybe going in a little bit more detail about the new book or, mm-hmm. I, or kind of the concepts behind it? Cause I'm, I'm curious myself, like how, what, what the ties that you have made between yeah. Christianity and, and the role of the faith community in yeah. harm reduction. Yeah. So, you know, this, this book is kind of a pioneering effort to my knowledge. It's the first of its kind on the market. There are some there are some Christians and there are some people of faith out there who are doing great work in the harm reduction space, but most of them are in like progressive, you know, the progressive movement side of things. Right. You know, more on the political left and all, all that kind of thing. This is the first of its kind to target evangelical, more right leaning leaning Christians uh, to try to provide a theological framework for them. So I, I really tried to target compassionate evangelicals who have a social conscience, who, who, who see the need, who, who really feel the pain that, that, that maybe they've experienced or somebody in their life or the people in their community. And they want to they want to dive in. They want to help. They want to be of service, but they have no idea how to how to start that or where to begin. And they also feel a need, you know, to ground that kind of work and activism in their faith. So I speak that language, you know, and I know I know the scripture. Um, I, I know Jesus. And so I used that and leaned heavily on that throughout the book, using like stories from the Gospels, Jesus's encounter with religious leaders, his encounter with marginalized folks, people in need, and really bringing out, you know, themes that are all throughout there that relate to the work of harm reduction and showing how, you know, even though most people think that, you know, faith, religious faith, spiritual faith, whatever, however you understand it, and harm reduction, you know, those two things can't really coexist. They're at odds showing that actually they're, they're very naturally go together. 
And so I was gonna say, I was gonna say to me, it's like it fits perfect because yeah. Jesus loved people for who they were, and He met them where they were at. And yeah. he, you didn't have to have your stuff together for Jesus to want to hang out with you. Matter of fact, Jesus probably didn't want to hang out with you unless your life was a dang mess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of like, you know, right leaning, socially conservative evangelical Christians will admit that in theory, but in practice, it doesn't always look that way. So I wanted to like, yeah. I wanted to like, you know, present a message that was gentle enough that it wasn't like off putting, turning them away, alienating them, but also challenging, you know, and kind of prophetic, like, Hey, you know, people are dying in record numbers here. That's more important than your sensibilities. So you need to kind of brush that aside for the minute and listen, you know, listen to what's going on. Listen to the voices of people who are marginalized in our society. Learn from their example, learn from their wisdom, learn from them what they need rather than you assuming you know what they need. Right. Because that's a big deal in, in, in the Western church. You know, we often try to like swoop in as like the, the savior, you know, as, as we picture Jesus to be assuming we know all, we, we have the high, moral high ground that we know what everyone needs. And we really don't. When it comes to people who use drugs, who are often coming from places of like lots of trauma, adverse childhood experiences, socioeconomic underlying issues that, that feed into their drug use and addiction. Um, you know, a lot of us, we, we don't understand that, you know, because our experience is so different. So to be able to come under and alongside of people and walk with them rather than trying to assume that we know what they need and we're here to give it to them. That's kind of the posture of the book, you know, and encourage Christ, encouraging Christians to kind of take more of an attitude of humility, you know, in their communities. Churches kind of historically are known more for speaking to people rather than listening to the people in their communities. So, you know, just encouraging a complete change of attitude towards folks who are kind of struggling, you know, in this overdose crisis so that we can be of actual, actual help and actual service. Dude, that's awesome. So um, have you been blessed to see any, fruit of these efforts because i'm assuming i mean before the book came out you've been probably making moves or get mm-hmm. trying to s- kind of spread that message and and uh whatnot uh or yeah. have you not i guess I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean every the book was the book is drawn from my own efforts along with many other partners in my community you know in my local community it, it's grounded there you know, I'm not I'm not a fan of people who write books and, and theorize about things that they haven't at least attempted to live out themselves and tested, you know, kind of on the anvil of actual experience. So it's and all drawn. From, I was assuming. Yeah. 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 So it, it's drawn from that. And I share some of my own personal experiences in the book, you know, as a as a faith leader, as an activist, you know, coming from that that angle, you know, experimenting with different things in the community. And then, you know, kind of showing its impact. You know, one of my favorite stories in the book, I pastored for a time. I I no longer do. Um, But while I was pastoring a few years back, we made I I was attempting to to align the church's mission with the needs of the recovery community in our town. And one of the things that we did during that time was we hosted a what we called a naloxone saves service. Uh, It was a friend of mine, a, a, a fellow activist in the state of Ohio who was doing this tour among churches um, hosting these memorial services during um, Overdose Awareness Month, August. Mm. And, you know, it was essentially that. It was a memorial service for people who had, who had died, you know, to overdose. And, you know, so there were prayers. We, we, we lit candles in the memory of these folks um, and also kind of hosted a training on how to recognize the signs of an overdose, how to administer Narcan. We had a free distribution of naloxone there at the service. 
but there was, there was a woman sitting up front in the front pew who came from the community. And the whole time she was just, her, her shoulders were bobbing. She was in tears. She just couldn't hold it back. And I, and I saw her from like halfway back in the sanctuary. And I said, I got to go talk to her, find out what her story is before the night is over. So when the service ended, I went up there, introduced myself. Hey, I'm Josh. I'm the pastor here. And I just wanted to say hello. And she like immediately just kind of like grabbed my shoulders and hugged me, you know, kind of wiping away the tears. She said, oh, thank you so much for having this. You have no idea what it means to see a church doing something like this in our community. She said earlier this summer, I overdosed on heroin twice. And I wouldn't be here today if somebody wouldn't have been on hand who had Narcan to revive me. She said, but now, but they were, and now I'm in treatment and now I'm getting my life back together for myself and my kids. And I'm going to be there for them. She said, thank you so much. You have no idea what this means. And that's one of my favorite stories from the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I share things like that as well. Because for her to be there, you know, the first time he tried it, uh, that just cements it for, for the congregation. You know, people get to hear that uh, and see that happen right mm-hmm. before their eyes and it's just confirmation that this is a serious need and that it can bear fruit right you know yeah. like and last time i checked jesus is in the miracle business right he'll make he'll he'll take a complete zero and turn him into a hero so i mean come on now yeah yeah, yeah there we go <laughs> yeah and so it's it's it, we, we we you know christians we we say these things right but um it's easier said than done, and it looks a whole lot better and, and, and nice and neater on paper than it does in reality. So it's a struggle sometimes for churches and church leaders to really roll up their sleeves and, and get down in the mud with folks. And that, that's the whole thrust of the book is to encourage them to do this. Like if you if you really if you really have faith, if you really trust in God, if you really believe and try to follow Jesus, this is what it looks like in the context of an overdose crisis that is literally robbing our, our family, our sons and daughters to the tune of hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, this is what it looks like. We, we, you can't afford to take a pass on this one. Oh, man. You are speaking my language, brother. I got God bumps. Brett, what do you think about this, man? <laughs> oh, man. This is, I, I, I've already hit, like I said, I, I already got the, the chance to interview Josh a couple weeks ago. And, and, man, like the whole time he was talking, like you were saying, just like, like the hair on my arms is like standing up right now, man. Like it's so cool. And I'm, yes, dude, the, I, I, I just love the concepts that you're bringing. And like, if, if you want to walk the walk, like these are some of the actions that we should be taking. And I think that it's so important that you're, you know, presenting the book in the way that you are. Cause like, like you said, even when, even when I hear like the word activism or activist or ally, I still, I, I kind of think of a more left leaning person. And I think that it's so important like you said, like to, to bear those fruits and to actually be on the ground and get dirty and do those things. And I think it's interesting that, that we as a society think of Christianity as like a a right leaning faith where there's so many examples in the Bible of Jesus doing things that we would probably categorize as more left leaning or more center. Mm -hmm. I think it's just so interesting how we have that concept of like, you know, if, if Jesus came back today, he would be a, a Republican. And I don't think that that's accurate yeah. at all. Yeah, well, no, I agree. Are, you know, these are like beliefs that have been, you know, deeply ingrained in, you know, different cultures and society at large for like 
so many thousands of years, dude. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't just break that stuff overnight. I mean, yeah, people still believe old wives tales from the forties and fifties and stuff. And that, that's been disproven by science, you know, like years ago, but they still think that like that helps with a rash or that helps with a cough, you know, it's like, <laughs> This is just so deeply ingrained, man. It's pop culture at its finest. It's true. And, you know, we often talk past each other in society, and especially Mm -hmm. on that point, right versus left. You know, the Republicans assume the Democrats are the devil and and vice versa. And uh, a lot of value gets lost in that kind of conversation. And especially when you're in this context. Yeah, when when people are dying, we can't afford to be playing politics, right? Right. So that I really tried to toe that line in this book as well. It was targeted toward right-leaning social conservative evangelical Christians. Um, but I, I didn't want to alienate and put off, even though I'm presenting this view of, of, of the Christ, you know, of Jesus. That, like you said, it may come across as more, you know, more opposite. You know, the, some of the, the, the social conservative vibes that are often applied to Jesus and Christianity in America. Uh, but trying to do that in a way that is non-threatening, because like, you know, we're, we're trying to work together here. We're, we're, we're trying to get people on the same team so that we can save lives so that people yes. can recover and live their best life, you know, and go to work and support their family and raise their kids and do all the things that we all want to do. So that, that's kind of the point, right? Right. And you know what? I think that it's so vital to remember, dude, that if you're not going to see, if you don't see fruit right away or mm-hmm. the types of like, uh, you know, widespread like response that you would hope for don't give up man don't be discouraged keep going out there and showering you know god's love out on others the way you do man because you by doing it that's what's going to be the most effective thing you know people might not think something sounds good on paper because they don't understand it or whatever but when they see what you're doing and how you're doing it and how it's affecting people that you're doing it for. That's attractive. You know, mm-hmm. that's attractive and that's yeah. going to change their heart. You know, God, only God can change their heart. You're doing his work, but you might not see it right away. All I'm saying is just don't be discouraged if you don't, because it is something new and it's different. But mm-hmm. I mean, to me, to me, man, this sounds like exactly like, you know, what jesus would be like you know he doesn't want to he just wants to love everyone you know what does he say you need to love your neighbor you need to love your enemy you know you need, right you yeah you can't wrestle with that one yeah <laughs> it's just nuts man I, I that people would be like what no man i i love the whole concept of just like he would he would go for the marginalized you go for the underrepresented you would go for the most broken people and use them as his vessels of grace in other people's lives mm-hmm. all the time so this all yeah. makes perfect sense and fits right into the gospel that i know and follow so <laughs> right on yeah that, that's then that's where his message was received most it was from the people on the margins right not not those at the center you know with all the power in the empire and even in the religious system those are the ones who crucified him right so you know we got to wrestle with that and and at the same time see that there was something transcendent about the person the personality of jesus and his message you know he had even among his disciples there were right-wing zealots who wanted to overthrow the empire 
and there were tax collectors who were working for the empire, you know, betraying their own Jewish people. And they and he, he called them both to follow him, and they found some type of unity and community around him. So you know, I don't know that, that that's that's something that's that's magical, I, well, you know, yeah. that to, to to say to be able to do that. And then to be able to do that in a way that brings people together and gets stuff done for the benefit you know, of everyone. And, you know, maybe you won't attract the attention from the people you're trying to target right away. Mm -hmm. But the more people who can find recovery or even another day to breathe where they could potentially, you know, decide they want to find recovery you know, since we're speaking more about harm reduction, it's like, dude, those are the same people that are going to be spreading that message. And, you know, their testimonies is going to be what's going to change people's hearts too. You know, just like the people that were preaching Jesus's message were those same broken people that he had to save, you know, and yeah. just awesome. And that it's just like, you want to talk about starting a movement, dude, that's, that's a, tried and true recipe right there man it's right in the bible <laughs> yeah absolutely i love it i love it oh man yeah and just to see i mean just with our own lived experiences me and you jason i mean we can see the difference that recovery has made in our lives and in our community and in our families like i i don't i don't know about you but for me like i never thought that i would have a wife and two daughters and you know be a productive member of society have a job and a house and do all these things and and now here i am with the opportunity to reach other people and hopefully be a, a good example of of what recovery can look like and that you know we aren't those things that we think of ourselves you know because i remember when i was in active use you know thinking that i was worthless and that i would never amount to anything and that all these things that I see other people doing that I would never have those things. And, and, you know, yeah. here I am living proof that recovery is possible and that we can become good people and, and productive members of society. Amen. Yeah. And, and the ripple effects of that, that's what nobody, right. nobody can predict. And that, that's what I, you know, in, in my first book in the preface, when I told a little bit of my personal story there that I share with you, that's, that's the thing that those two men who, who literally helped me save myself at my darkest point, what if, you know, they, they would have had nobody to believe in them? Mm. What if what if they would have been completely cut off and let go and, and wouldn't have made it right? Wouldn't have made it back. And then they wouldn't have touched my life and my and I wouldn't have touched other people's lives. You know, the ripple effects of what you guys have experienced and gone through and come out of. God knows how far that's going to go and what it's going to accomplish in the world. Absolutely. Dude, I, I wasn't even going to bring this up, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it up a uh, little something that's been happening but i just don't know yet what's uh if if it's gonna happen or not so i didn't want to share it but screw that i'm gonna share it <laughs> all right so i had uh i got invited by a friend of mine recently to possibly become a member of this board of directors it's the it's, it's a newly formed rco in its infancy and it's called uh the South Metro Community Services here in Minnesota. And if they're going to do things a lot different, a lot more uh, open-ended, you know, like like it'll be more fluid and it can be open to suggestions and things. But they were talking to me. I just went and had a meeting with them the other day 
and I mean, I'm already so blessed, dude. I'm already so blessed that I've been able to be a part of the way out and that I got invited to be a part of this show and that I get to meet amazing people like yourself, Josh. They're just blow my mind, you know, and that give me those goosebump conversations and in ways to enhance my own recovery. And it's Mm -hmm. just like to be able to offer platforms like that is already such a blessing, but like this if this happens, they're going to vote in like a week in a, about a week and a half at their next meeting on the applicants or the people that showed up for, you know, the meetings. But I don't know. I mean, I'm going to get to do service on steroids if I get this uh, position on this board. And I'm like, even if I don't get it, I'm, I'm like, what the heck is happening? You know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't understand how these things keep happening to me but you know what because i keep trying to give back i think is the big thing you know it's like mm-hmm. you can't pour from an empty cup i did i lean into the lord i lean into my recovery and i and i stay connected with community and i try to be of service as much as humanly possible and offer something of value to the stream of life you know and it's like that's all you got to do man and these opportunities will come at your feet you know and you're going to be able to do things you never imagined, you know, to Brett's point. I, I was like, yeah, I, I, I thought I was totally screwed beyond all recognition and I could never hold a job again or, you know, that parenting, you know, was never going to be a part of my life because I couldn't hold anything down, you know, and mm-hmm. now it's like I'm about to, oh, I can't say that, but yeah, I'm about to make another big step soon in my life as well and uh as far as my relationship goes and you know dude yeah it's just like all miracles in my mind things that i didn't that's awesome that's that's fantastic man congrats on that yeah yeah absolutely yeah and you know i that's that's one thing i've learned from my friends here in southern ohio in recovery I know, I know like AA and NA, it began with that tradition of anonymity and I understand that and I respect that, you know, but I've, I've, I've learned from them, you know, this emphasis of recovering out loud and that's done so much good for so many people in our community. Yeah. I see that sign behind you there, Brett. And, uh, that, that jives totally with, with one of my core, you know, convictions is that movement creates opportunity, you know, so you, you put yourself out there, you, you do what you can with what you have, where you are, and people will see that. And they'll respond to that. Not everybody, but those who who resonate with your with your message, with your life, what they see you doing. And that'll open up opportunities that'll open up doors that you never would have saw coming. So that's awesome, brother. I hope that comes through for you. And uh, just and I'll, control I'll, thank you. I'll, I'll tell you another quick little story. A, a person that I know who was one of my biggest like inspirations early on really motivated me to do so much stuff that I never would have did and really get out of my comfort zone, which in turn just made my recovery go blossom. They, they fell off, you know, at some point, you know, had a recurrence of use, uh, went really down the rabbit hole and kind of like ghosted everyone, you know, shut the, their phone or I don't know if it got shut off or if they just changed their number or what and all this stuff. But, here this is like going on for two three years and they ended up getting an email from somebody 
who had listened to a podcast interview they did like five years prior. Hmm. Right. And it was a lengthy email, very heartfelt, uh, very raw, you know, and like literally pretty much like you, if I hadn't listened to your story, I would be dead. And this did, this shocked my friend's system so much that it got him to come back to the rooms. It got him to get back on a narrow path. And now they're, uh, they're helping people again, but you know, they're doing it in a much more balanced way than they did before. They're not putting everybody's needs ahead of their own and like neglecting themselves anymore. So I think that was kind of probably one of the biggest things for them that was a nail in the coffin, you know, but Mm -hmm. just stuff like that. You never know. You were talking about the ripple effect, right? Like you just never know. man. No, you You don't be having a hard time with a gun in your mouth one day down the road and have somebody hit you up and thank you for writing one of them books and save your life, you know? Yeah. Just like that. It's amazing, right? Yeah, dude. You never know how God's going to use these things uh, down the road, especially this kind of stuff when it's out there online. Mm-hmm. You know, it's out there. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it, man. This is why, this is why I'm so passionate about doing these kind of things. Is is just like I feel like you, Josh, sharing people's stories. There's something that is so powerful about hearing other people's stories and being able to relate to those, and just realizing that you're not alone. I think that's the. I think at least I'll speak from my own personal experience. I think that that's something that helped me so much, especially in early recovery, was realizing that there were other people like me that had the same kind of struggles. And that wanted out because that's where I was at at the end of, of my use. Like I didn't want to do it anymore, but I didn't know how to not do it. It's like, how do I, how do I not do this? Like my life is so entangled in drug use. Like I have to get high to get out of bed. I have to get high mm-hmm. to go to work. Like, how do I not do that anymore? And finding those stories of other people that had gotten out of it was like, Oh, there's hope. There's a way to, there's a way to, to live another, you know, to live a different life. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. It is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it might be the ultimate thing, you know, just knowing that we're all in this together. And uh, I think it was Thoreau maybe who said that, you know, <clears throat> men live lives of quiet desperation and that that's mm-hmm. all of us, you know, we're struggling, yeah. we're suffering, we've got anxiety, we're, we've got all these things and we think we're alone in it, but we're not. And Isn't that uh, insane? You're not mm-hmm. alone. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all sharing this struggle. It looks different in, in each of our lives, but it's it's the human predicament. And uh, you know, if we can find some way to scale those walls and and come together and be able to be vulnerable with each other, feel safe enough that we can say, "Hey, look, this is what I'm going through." C.S. Lewis, I think it was, it said that's when friendship begins. The one, the minute one man looks at another and says, "What you two? I thought I was the only one." You know, and to find that kind of connection, I think that's where everything can begin to change, you know, for us. Yeah. And that can be such a mind blowing experience to have that realization, because unfortunately, feelings are so powerful, you know, Mm -hmm. that we our perception is our reality. When we feel perpetually alone, that's what we really believe we are, you know, and it just causes you further isolation, further close, you know being closed off and just letting those things fester in the dark like they do 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It's just horrible. Man. Awesome, man. Mm. This is awesome meeting you. I really appreciate everything you're doing and that, that fire in your gut. I'm glad God put it there. man. <laughs> yeah, no, well, all the things I've done and, and continue to do, this is my favorite part is the opportunities it gives me to meet guys like yourself who are doing your own work out there somewhere, valuable, reaching people as well, coming from your same place of struggle and to be able to connect like this over a phone call, a podcast interview, whatever it is, that's the favorite. It's the favorite part of the whole work to me, you know, in a lot of ways, because it's just, it's just validating of just all those things you just said, you know, we're here. We are, we're in it together. Amen. Amen. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I look forward to Thursday nights every week, man. Like it is the highlight of my (laughs) week. Yeah. It's awesome. It never gets old, does it? No, it never, doesn't. never gets old. I love it. <laughs> Pleasure to be here with you gentlemen tonight. Man, I'm starting to get close to the shop. 25 minutes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Making your, uh, your drive, drive back from work a little, a little quicker, huh? Oh, bro. That, it's pretty much been an hour almost already. It's like went really just like a flash. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens when you're talking about that stuff. Getting those God bumps, the Holy Spirit energy, that recovery energy. What what was that? That stay stopped energy. Oh, I wasn't I wasn't ready with the with the sound effect. Okay. <laughs> That stay stopped. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm still not ready. I'm still not ready. Okay, 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 okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Jackson, that stay stopped energy. <laughs> I'm slacking tonight, man. I'm slacking. I'm, I'm, I'm just. Yeah, you didn't make any sound effects for him. He said so many bellworthy things. I'm sorry, therapy. man. I was, I was engaged in the conversation. I wasn't thinking about sound effects. You know, and... I will say that, Brett. You know, you talked more tonight in a, than I don't. I don't even know if you've ever talked as much as you did tonight in an episode of RRL that I've done. <laughs> Everybody else missed out. There well, was. I mean that in a good way, brother. You know? I, I know, but but when there's when there's four or five of us on here, I, I just feel like it's harder to get a word in sometimes, and and. You know, everybody's kind of steering the conversation in a different way, and and it's just like, and I'm trying to monitor the comments and do all the different things, and I just sometimes I yeah. kind of get lost in lost in the sauce, man. It, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to do the conversation and do the technical support at the same time. Right, dude, and he's very good at it, dude. He's yeah. he does an awesome job. I mean, <laughs> I'm a, sometimes I have to run the stream, and I'm a. You know, not as good as Brett. That's for damn sure. <laughs> nah. You do a good job, buddy. Well, I love what you guys are doing. Thanks. I've already I've already shared your uh your podcast and, and this this stream with my friends here, so oh, sure. it'll gain you even more of an audience. Yeah, and awesome. there there was uh I'm trying to remember there was a group that does something similar that you were talking about in the first book and I'm Struggling yeah. to remember the name of it off the top of my head because obviously yeah. we're live. Yeah, they they called their thing raw addiction. 
Yeah, raw addiction. Are they still doing that? Because I looked, I searched on Facebook and I couldn't find them. They they haven't been doing the regular streams. Okay. Um, I, I I heard as recently as this week they're 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 exploring kicking that back up. But uh, the founder of the group, um, well, a couple of the original founders, I think at least one of them I know for sure because he was one of the guys I interviewed in my book, has since passed away um, oh. he, from from overdose. But um, the 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 other founder, he's just had a lot of things, other things going on. But they're they're talking about kicking it back up. But they were one of the first in in yeah. my local area community to do that, and they did it fresh out of you know fresh out of prison, basically. <laughs> and it was nice. it was it was primitive, and it fit the name raw addiction. So and they they they've touched a lot of people. Kind of the same thing, you know. They would just get you know every week they do a live stream, and yeah, just just talk, just talk about all the things. Man, I would love to connect with them if they start that up again. Love to have them on the show. Yeah. I think it would yes. be I think it'd be awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd be happy to connect you. Very cool. Do it. Do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Josh, do you want to tell people the books and all that stuff again if they're joining us late and they're interested in finding Yeah, you? sure thing. So my name's Josh Lawson. I'm the author of The Face of Addiction. And more recently, Drugs and Jesus was just released this Tuesday both of which are available on Amazon and anywhere you can find books online. Uh, my author website is lawsonwrites.com. And uh, the latest book, Drugs and Jesus, uh, is the first of its kind, to my knowledge, to provide a theological framework for people of faith, specifically evangelical Christians, to help them enter into the ministry and the work of harm reduction. So we're in the midst of an overdose crisis here that's killing more people than we can count, almost it seems like. And uh, people of faith... Um, can't afford to set this one out. So it's a call to action for uh, churches and other communities of faith to uh, get involved in the, the work of saving lives. So, yeah, I appreciate that plug. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful that the book is successful and, and, you know, it, it doesn't fall on deaf ears and maybe we see some change from, from what you wrote. Like you're talking about that ripple effect. You never know who's going to pick up that book and, and they're going to have a change of heart or they're going to, you know, bring that to their congregation. And then all of a sudden you just see it all over the country as people are starting to see that change and, you know, maybe change some ideas and some thoughts about yeah. harm reduction and, and, you know, people struggling with substance use and man, I'm excited to see where this thing goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, man, the... I don't know if it's of God, then God's going to bless it. Mm. There you go. know, it, it's been, it's been anointed. And I believe that. Yeah. A lot on my heart. I can feel it. It's, I just can feel it. It's going to be good. It's going to touch a lot of lives. Good. That's the hope. I, you know, I wrote it as a conversation starter. So every, every chapter ends with uh, reflection questions. So I'm really hoping that individuals, small groups, even whole churches will take it up and use it as kind of a discussion guide so that they can start yes. this process, you know, among their people and really talk about and think about what it could mean for them to get involved in this work and uh, how they can find a motivation for that within their belief system. So that's that's the hope is to get that ball rolling in, in churches and communities where currently they're just stalled. You know, they, maybe they want to be involved, but they don't know how. So this is this is a first step to figuring it out. Wow. Love it. That's going to be awesome. Mm. Mm. Well, Jason, you got anything else, man? I don't know. We can start the closing. I'm good. All right. I got my... I, my arm's getting tired. I keep having to switch arms because I'm going old school and I'm holding the phone up to my ear, you know. <laughs> I was wondering about that because usually when I talk to you and you're on like the car Bluetooth, it's not nearly as clear as, as it has been tonight. 
right. Yeah. So it sounds well, good. I you, wouldn't have did. I wouldn't have did that to you. You're you're sa- you're making a sacrifice for for the live stream. I appreciate it. Dang right, <laughs> dude. Dang right. You know, it has not gone unnoticed. <laughs> Josh, you have anything else for us before we wrap up, man? No, thank you guys. Really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate your work. I'm going to tell people about it. So yeah, just keep on, man. Yeah, and I, I I think I posted one of the one of the links to your book in the Facebook group, but I'll continue to share those posts as well. So if you do see those people that are watching on the Recovery Revolution Live Facebook, there will be some more links in in the news feed. So check those out. You had a chance to meet the author. So yeah, you right get on. a little taste of what the book's about. So I'm, I'm excited for you, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jason, we're going to start with you, man. You want to tell us about your solo show or not solo well, show. You got Charles with you. Correct. It's not a solo show. I'm actually like the add on. He, he was at about almost a hundred episodes when I started, but anyway, yes, yes. So, the Whale Podcast. We are an addiction and recovery podcast. We share powerful personal recovery stories, and sometimes we unpack recovery power topics to help you find or jump jumpstart your own recovery. And then we also have the Whale Playlist. It's exclusively on Spotify, and it's a noise. It's a curated list of songs that symbolize recovery to all the amazing guests we have on the show check it out a noise <laughs> and then i do an actual solo podcast with guests uh recovery survey episodes every wednesday i'm actually taking a couple weeks off just to hang out with some friends and family that have been visiting but uh i have an upcoming episode with josh that'll be releasing here in a few weeks and yeah, it's it's been coined morsels of recovery. I typically do about 30-minute episodes, some little bite-sized chunks, so check that out. Also, Recovery Soul Food. LC was not here tonight, but he hosts an amazing show called Recovery Soul Food. Check that out. He's on YouTube, Facebook. He also releases the audio version, all that stuff, so be sure to check that out. And we release this live stream in an audio format. So if you are more of a podcast person as opposed to the video person, you can find Recovery Revolution live on your favorite podcast player. If you guys are watching us on YouTube, we ask that you please like and subscribe to the channel. Turn on your notifications so you know when we go live, which is every Thursday night. And I think that's just about it, man. We are so grateful that you came on the show tonight, Josh. It's been a pleasure yes. talking with you again, man. Excited to see just the the revolution that your book is going to start, man. I think it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Thank you, guys. Great to be with you. Thank you, brother. All right, guys. We will see you again next Thursday night. Same time, same place, Facebook and YouTube. And remember, guys, progress, not perfection. Not perfection. Yeah. God yeah. bless. <laughs> Recovery Revolution Podcast Network.